Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father, through the Lord Jesus. Amen. John writes, Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be hasn't yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we will see him as he is. When God is revealed, we are changed. When God is revealed, we are changed. The revelation of God that is Jesus has changed our identity as people. The appearing of God in human bone and skin has altered who we are and how we live in this world. We not only see in Jesus the fullness of what it means to be a human, but by God's grace, we are gifted with that humanity and bound together into this thing called the family of God. This is what John reminds the people of in his epistle. Right now, you are children of God. Because God's love appeared in Jesus, because the fullness of life has shown up in the world, in the Son of God, and this life and love gave itself for the sake of the whole world. Because of these things, not to condemn the world, but to save it through him, we are right now children of God. We're not outsiders. We belong. We are beloved and cherished members of the family that this Jesus and his God lead and care for today. But John also declares, not only has Jesus appeared once in bone and skin in the past, but that he will appear again in the future. There'll be another appearance, another revealing of this very same Jesus, not another, mo- another moment where he will show up in the world. The living and risen Lord will return, bone and skin and all, because he's alive. And when he returns, we will finally see him as he is. Not through eyes of faith, not through this sort of metaphor of beholding him in trust, but with our actual eyeballs in our own skulls, we will see him. And when that happens... John says, we will be like him. When God revealed himself in the past through Jesus' death and resurrection, we were changed. We were made a part of the family of God by grace. But when God reveals himself in the future, we will be further changed. For our humanity, our, our bones, our skin, all of it, we will become immortal. As Paul puts it, we will be swall- death will be swallowed up in victory, and we will be clothed with immortality, because death cannot continue in the living presence of Jesus. Sin and its effects entirely removed from us on that day, and we will be like Jesus. Not divine as if we become the Son of God, but we will be holy and good and alive as he is making his family to be. The appearing of Jesus in the past, it changed our identity. We are children of God right now. The appearing of Jesus in the future will change us to be fully like him. And in the present, in the meantime, John calls the people to purify themselves. We are to purify ourselves as he is pure by putting our hope by putting our hope in this promise of Jesus' full 
and final return. When considering purifying ourselves, maybe more specifically purifying our hearts, this isn't a purity culture thing that John's up to, it's important to consider what we imagine when we think of that. What are we trying to accomplish when we purify ourselves? I think a helpful way of thinking about this that I believe is in line with what John is up to in this epistle is the idea of a centered set model, a centered set model, as opposed to a bounded set model, which I'll talk about both for you today. A bounded set imagines that there's a line boundary between two different things. For instance, we could draw a line or put a tape line down the middle aisle of our building here for a moment. And we could do a little experiment that everybody who is pure gets on one side and everybody whose heart is impure gets on the other side. We're not doing that today. It would be very damaging and not okay. (laughs) Or you could, you know, draw a circle with tape on the floor and everybody who qualifies for one thing goes in and everybody else is on the outside. It's a bounded set. There's a boundary line of some kind and you're either on one side or the other. If this is how we imagine what it means to be purifying ourselves, then our goal is to go from being impure to pure, to be in Christ and and be aligned with him rather than being apart from Christ. And with a bounded set, there's only two locations. You're either in or you're out. A centered set model doesn't have a boundary line. Instead, imagine ramming a pole into the floor of our building here and marking that as the center. All of us are some distance from that center in some way, right? Some of us might be closer to that center. Others may be further away, but we all are in relationship to that center. I find this to be a more fitting look at what John is up to in this passage of his epistle Jesus is the center. He is the one in whom we all relate and whom we are all striving for. We are all, right now, dearly loved and cherished children of God, right? We're all in relation to the center. We're all part of the family. We're all in the family of God's grace, by God's gracious love that is revealed in Jesus' death and resurrection. And when Jesus appears... We will see him as he is, and what John is claiming is that we will all be drawn into and brought into the center in the end. We will all reach the final goal. The goal, after all, for all of us as followers of Jesus is Jesus himself. It's a relationship with God, seeing him face to face. Desiring him above all else, having that relationship be primary and refashion every other aspect of who we are. I was listening to a podcast this week and I heard a quote from a guy named Eric Ortland. He wrote a book called Piercing Leviathan, God's Defeat of Evil in the Book of Job. And in that book he writes this. Do God's people love and fear him for God's own sake? For God as the goal, as an end in himself, or is God a means to some other end? Will any human enter into and maintain a relationship with God when the only thing to gain is God himself or God's blessings? End quote. We see this in the book of Job, 
right? Job has every other blessing and thing ripped away from him. And will he still seek God if his family is gone, if his prosperity is gone, if his health is gone? And he does. The beginning of that book, he desires a relationship with God. God is not a means to some end. Jesus is not a means for us to some other goal. Jesus is not meant to be a means to power or a tool we use to gain respect. He's not a means to win arguments. He's not a means for violence and power or takeover. He is not a tool for self-actualization as if the end goal is that we are self-actualized. No, the end goal is Christ. The goal himself is Jesus. That even if we suffer, even if we have to lose it all, That if the only thing we gain is seeing Jesus and being in a relationship with him and everything else is lost, that's not only worth it. It is what we are called to and is what we are being shaped to desire, to be with Jesus, to see him as he is, to have that relationship be primary that affects all other aspects of who we are. This is not without like, the promises of restored creation and the promises of being in community with Jesus. But Jesus isn't a means to those ends. He is the goal himself who promises those gifts and blessings. So when we consider that centered set model that Paul rammed into the floor, Jesus is the goal. And we are all in a relationship with him because we're all part of the family of God by the gift of the Spirit. The goal is Jesus himself. He is the center to be in fellowship with him, to strive for him, to be like him in thought, word, and deed, to have that relationship, again, recast all of who we are. And John declares, as we put our hope in him, we purify ourselves. Not moving from a bounded set of impure to pure, but drawing closer, right? Purifying our hearts more and more as we draw near to him, this goal. Hope is an active pursuit of Jesus and his ways in a relationship with him. So when we consider our lives, again, in relationship to the center, some of us might be closer to the goal, might be walking more closely with Jesus and desiring him in our lives. Others might be a bit further, but no matter where you are, you're part of the family. No matter where. Beloved and cherished, children of God by his grace. And the reality is that our life is not a linear movement that we're always in one straight line moving towards the goal of Jesus. During a single day, I may go from being in a close relationship, walking very tightly in the spirit with what Jesus is up to in the world. But then I may do or say something that's just completely out of line with being united with Jesus. And suddenly I find myself pushing against that relationship in some way. I find myself a bit further from the goal, not out of the family, right? Not out of the family, but not as in tune with that relationship that Jesus has accomplished and that he is drawing us deeper and deeper into. And so our lives are always in process. We're always striving in the spirit to move towards the goal, but we also recognize there's this problem of sin and we might be taking 
a strange path there, even as we're trying to go towards him directly. This problem of sin, Jesus is healing from us. And so part of this process of purifying ourselves and moving towards Jesus is living lives of confession, acknowledging sin in ourselves, and working to confess and walk together in him. We live lives of active anticipation and hope. We imagine what it will be like when we see Jesus as he is, when that relationship is primary, and we strive to function that way even now, today, by the grace of the Spirit. And this is true, again, of all of the people of God. Today is All Saints Day, and while it is a lovely and good practice to remember those that have died, and we do that today, it is also a good practice to remember that all the saints includes you and me. It's all of the people of God, the whole family around the world, through time as well. Again, that includes those that have died, and it includes those that are alive today. It includes us in this room. And what do we share in common with all of these people throughout history, alive and dead? We're all in relationship to God and Jesus. We're all part of the family by God's grace. And something else that we share in common with all those who have died before us is that we're all still in process. Those that have died in Jesus have not yet reached their goal. And this may sound strange, but we just sang a hymn, All Saints, that recognizes this. Second to last hymn, yet lo, there breaks an even more glorious day. Right? Something greater is coming than what those that have died and are with Christ are already experiencing. They're with Jesus, we trust. They're not separated from his love because not even death can separate anybody from the love of God that is in Jesus. But they're not alive, they're dead. The resurrection hasn't occurred yet. No, all of us, the living and the dead in Christ, we're not done. We're still awaiting for that final appearing that John is talking about. Because when it happens, we will all, alive and dead, be like him. Because with our own eyes, we will see him as he is. Until then, we strive to align our lives with that appearing. We strive to have that relationship be primary for us because it's what God is making it for us by his grace. He's brought us into a relationship with him. We strive to live in the way that we will be living when we reach that end goal. Living in love and devotion to Jesus alone. That who we are now would be a revealing of who Jesus is in love and sacrifice because we are joined together in him. A friend of mine out in California um, was sharing with me recently about his daughter learning to do folklorico dancing and going to a performance of a whole bunch of students doing folklorico dance. Around the performance area, because it was the Dia de los Muertos uh, celebration, there were ofrendas, which in a very general sense are, again, a remembrance of a witness of family and friends who have gone before. And then there's all these children doing separate performances based on their grade level and their ability. So first, you got to watch the third graders. And he's amazed at these little kids and what they've learned to be able to do together, this dance and its beauty, and, and watch his own kid be part of that. And then he got to see the fourth and fifth graders and marvel that another year's worth of training or two years made such a huge difference in that ability to dance. 
The dancing became smoother and more coordinated. And then he got to watch junior high and high schoolers. And he made the comment to me, he's he's like, there's a marked difference in the motor function and the proprioception of people going from elementary up into high school. And what he thought was beautiful before, now his imagination has been peaked. And it's like, wow, this is really incredible how beautiful this dance can be. And then he had the opportunity to also see a few college performers and a soloist. And if what he thought before was amazing, now it has increased in wonder and in beauty what he thought was possible. All of these people doing dances are children, right? They're all children at different stages of development and ability, but they're all moving towards a goal of the beauty of this dance. Surrounded by the witness of family and friends, they practice, they train, they imitate others, and they work together. And the result is this movement in beauty and growing in depth in beauty. We too are children, children of God learning to dance, training, imitating, working together. We see the examples of those who have gone before us. We see the examples of the faith community still today amongst us and other followers of Jesus that we interact with. And we strive for the goal that is Jesus himself. At times we will get glimpses of Jesus in one another, sometimes in ways that seem great and awe-inspiring of the saints today and in the past. And other times we will get glimpses of Jesus in ways that seem insignificant, minimal, But it's Jesus nonetheless, and therefore the fullness of God's beauty being revealed. And as we learn to dance in the Spirit with Jesus as our goal, we trust that Jesus is revealed. He's appeared once. That has changed us. We are children of God by the death and resurrection. He will appear again, and we will reach that goal. We'll see him, and we will be like him. And as we put our active hope in him today, we move towards him, growing in our relationship by his grace as he draws us to himself, trusting that even in the present, God continues to be revealed by his people. Now may the peace that passes all understanding guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.